You're listening to the Online DJ Podcast, where today we're talking about laser safety. Hello ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of the Online DJ Podcast, where today's topic is laser safety. Now laser safety is one of those things, especially in the UK, I think people just tend to go out and buy a laser, put it up and think of it just as any other light and don't really think about the safety aspects behind it because I think there is a lot more of a safety aspect needed to be thought about when working with lasers. So. Today we thought we'd concentrate on laser safety, especially on topics like is there a license? Do we need a license to use certain lasers? Does it have to be mounted at a certain height? Where should we be pointing it? Where should we be mounting it? What's that key for on the back of some of the units? So with me today I've got Dan Goldsmith, which is the safety officer from X Laser, to answer some of those questions. So firstly Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, could you firstly tell us a little bit about you and X Laser and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, this is a subject that I'm uh, pretty passionate about. I founded Exalaser eight years ago to try and really reshape the high-powered landscape that existed back then. It was almost impossible to buy a high-powered laser, and even if you could buy one, it took two to three years to get the license to use it. It was just a terrible situation, and a lot of people were ending up in really big problems without even knowing it, uh, basically committing federal regulatory infractions, just trying to make themselves a laser light show. That's actually how X-Laser started. A lot of people don't know X-Laser was actually born out of a DJ company and born out of a need uh, for DJs to try and find uh, compliant, legal, safe, high-powered lasers. And we realized pretty quickly that anybody can make something cheaper but making it safe, making it compliant, making it legal, and really protecting our customers was really what we became about, and that was our mantra. So I'm pretty passionate about this, and I've been very fortunate uh, to spend uh, the last better part of a decade serving as X-Laser's Chief Laser Safety Officer and President. So moving over to our topic of laser safety, what sort of regulations are there for using a laser? I mean, I know over here in the UK we have HSE guidelines and regulations to follow, uh, But is it like that everywhere? Yeah, so that's a really huge question. Uh, The answer is that laser regulations vary by jurisdiction. So the rules in the U.S. are going to be different than the rules in the U.K., which are going to be different than the rules in New York versus Arizona. Uh, There are lots of different regulations out there. But I think for the purposes of this podcast, it would be really helpful to talk about the two big rules. Um, And before I get to those, I really want to tell you why, because I think the why is really important here. A lot of people look at high-powered laser like it's a lighting effect. You can walk into a nightclub, just be completely immersed in this beautiful high-powered laser show, walk out, not be blind, and people think that it's not really a big deal. But it is, and I really want to tell you why. So the basic idea here is that laser is a fundamentally different form of light than uh, what they call non-coherent or just regular light, than LED, than discharge, and so on and so forth. When non-coherent light, like an LED, hits you in the eye, it doesn't focus particularly well. So you can actually get hit with a fairly large amount of power and have it be safe. 
Laser, on the other hand, focuses a hundred times more efficiently than ordinary light. And what that means is any amount of laser that hits you in the eye is going to focus down to a tiny, tiny spot on the back of your eye. It's the exact same effect as um, a nail, uh, putting a hammer to a nail. The head of the nail accumulates a lot of power and it focuses all that power down to a tiny, tiny spot. Now this works the same way everywhere you happen to be in the world. And whether you're in the UK or the US or you're in South America or Asia, we all have the same eyes. This is just physics. When you get hit with a high-powered laser in the eye, it is going to focus down into what is effectively a little drill into the back of your eye, and you can suffer an eye injury and never even know that it happened. There's a running theory out there in the world that people are working on right now that we're actually raising an entire generation of people that have occult or unknown eye injuries from high-powered lasers, and they just never even knew it. And it's going to start to show up as they get a little bit older and as their vision starts to fail. So what are the two big rules? Number one, don't shoot lasers at people. Uh, there are a few exceptions to that, but by and large, especially for the purposes of uh, most DJ functions, just don't let high-powered lasers strike people. It's dangerous. You shouldn't do it. And even the lower-power ones, the ones you can buy without a variance, which I think we're going to talk more about here in a minute, uh, if you read the user manuals, it says don't shoot this at people. Keep it above people. And this is why. Very, very small amounts of power can create very large effects in the back of the eye. The second one, don't shoot lasers at aircraft. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, the aircraft's so far away. Oh, look, I can see it. You know, the dock going around in the aircraft. No, just don't do it. There are lots of good, very, very valid reasons why it is not a good idea. The largest of which, I think, is that it will ruin a pilot's night vision. It, even if a pilot gets flashed in the eye, not nearly enough power to hurt them, that flash is enough to ruin their night vision and make it much more difficult to land the aircraft. It is very dangerous. So don't shoot lasers at people and don't shoot lasers at aircraft. So you mentioned sort of laser power there. In terms of sort of safe laser power, what sort of strength are we looking at? Is it sort of 5 milliwatts? So the deal with 5 milliwatts is that it's not actually eye safe. Some people think that it is, but if you stare into a 5 milliwatt laser, you can absolutely give yourself an eye injury. 5 milliwatts is kind of an arbitrary point at which most people have agreed that it's reasonably safe. It is unlikely to cause an injury under normal usage conditions. Uh, an eye safe amount of laser is generally pegged at about a third of a milliwatt, although it does depend on your measurement conditions. But a third of a milliwatt is such a small amount of power, it's really not useful for anything. That's why I'm saying very, very small amounts of power can cause very, very big effects in the back of the eye. So when you're working with those 5 milliwatt lasers and you're reading those user manuals and it says keep them up above the crowd, that's why. Now I know as you said before, there's different regulations depending on where you are in the world. But with terms of where you are right now, if a laser is sort of above, say, 5 milliwatts, are there any licenses sort of required to use that laser? Yes, absolutely. Lasers that are more powerful than 5 milliwatts require a license from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration called a variance. There's a federal law that actually says you are not allowed to own a laser more powerful than 5 milliwatts, and the variance allows you to vary from that law and be able to buy one and use one. But you kind of need to think of it like a firearms license. It wouldn't make any sense that you could go out and buy a gun without having a firearms license first. The same basic idea applies here. So when you're shopping around online, if you can buy something and have it shipped to your house, and you can take possession of this thing before you have a valid license to use it, there's something wrong with that equation. Now, there is one exception to this, which is X-Laser's compliance system allows you to take possession of the laser and go through all of the training uh, as you're applying for the license, but you're just not allowed to use it until you actually have that license in place. 
So in terms of best practice, what is the best way, say, a DJ could mount a laser? And where's the safest place they could sort of aim it? So the best practice for where to focus laser beams is called the three meter rule. You want to keep the beams three meters above any surface upon which someone can stand. So if you've got a dance floor full of people, you keep them up at about nine and a half, ten feet, something like that. The point here is not only are you keeping them out of people's eyes, you're also keeping them out of arm's reach. And this is really important because cell phones will get absolutely destroyed by high-powered lasers. And specifically, I'm speaking of the cameras here. You stick your camera up into the laser show to try and film it, and you will pull it back down, and your camera will be toast. Uh, that's true of DSLRs, too. So you don't want a whole room full of people who uh, have just lost their cell phone cameras. So keeping it out of arm's reach is a really, really good idea, and it's also required by federal law. Where you mount the laser is actually a lot simpler. You can mount the laser wherever you want as long as it makes sense and is safe for that particular situation. It doesn't have to be mounted at 10 feet. You can mount it at 8 feet and angle it up so that those beams reach 3 meters by the time they would vertically intersect the audience. The major idea here for where you mount the laser is that it should be safe for whatever situation you happen to be in, and it should be inaccessible to people who are not supposed to be able to access it. So you wouldn't mount it at six feet where people are going to be walking up to take requests, and they could walk right in front of the laser and have, them, and have the laser hit them in the eye. That's no good. So as long as it's safe and as long as people can't access it, those are really the two big things. But you really need to use common sense in whatever situation you find yourself because it could be more complicated than that, wherever you happen to be, it could be just that simple. Uh, I can't really say because I don't know what situation you're in, but those are the major rules, uh, sort of guidelines to try and live by. Now, on many lasers um, I've seen, we have this little key on the back of the fixture. Um, it always baffles me why there's a key on the back of the fixture, so could you sort of explain what this key's for? Well, the basic idea with the key switch is to prevent unauthorized access. So if you don't want people to be able to use that laser, you can uh, turn the key off, pull it out, walk away, and in theory, at least, they shouldn't be able to use the laser. I think that you'll find that there are some uh, models of laser out there in the world that have a key switch that doesn't actually perform that function. It's just sort of there for show. Uh, but theoretically, that is the purpose. Some lasers have them, some lasers don't. Manufacturers handle it in different ways, but that's the basic idea. And Dan, if we are using a laser, do we have to post any sort of safety notices or any sort of sign outside of a venue saying that we're using lasers? Technically, you're supposed to post what's called a show warning sign at venues where you're using high-powered lasers. Uh, a lot of people don't actually do it because in a lot of uh, nightclub and even mobile DJ setups, there is really no actual chance that the audience knowing that there's a laser there is going to help keep them safe. And that's really the purpose. Think about the purpose this way. If you were setting up on a stage that has, you know, the normal stage draperies, you have a bunch of legs, whatever, and you want to keep those beams out at about um, 10 feet above the audience, and you've got about a four-foot stage there, you would want to mount that laser at about six feet. Well, that's right eye level for anyone who's on that stage. So if someone comes walking around a curtain and all of a sudden comes face to face with a high-powered laser, it would have helped them to know that there was a high-powered laser in use so that they could be careful and take precautions to not, you know, walk into the laser field. Uh, that's really the purpose of the show warning sign. Technically, uh, you are supposed to notify people that a high-powered laser is being used at the venue and just posting that sign at the entrance or whatever is sufficient. Um, but in a lot of cases, it really makes the most sense on a practical level when there's any chance that someone might accidentally contact the laser or walk into the area that the laser is being used. That's really more what it's for.
So in terms of laser safety, what's one of the biggest sort of mistakes you see people making with regards to laser safety itself? The single biggest mistake that I see people making with regard to laser safety is not really respecting the technology uh, and just treating the laser like it's any other lighting effect. Just a couple of quick tips. Number one, you should always be able to turn the laser off. If you know it's up on a stand, it's way out of people's eyes and you think everything's cool, but someone comes along and does a soldier boy into your stand and knocks your stand over and that laser just starts shooting everywhere or gets knocked off its focus or whatever the case may be, you really need to make sure that you have a way of turning that laser off come hell or high water. you got to be able to shut that thing down. Uh, the second thing is that you always need to be able to see where all of those beam paths are going. If you don't know where a laser is stopping on something, then you don't know what it's hitting at the end of its path. Uh, and if it just keeps going out into the night sky or something, people don't necessarily understand. These are lasers, man. They can travel for miles way far beyond where you can see and hit aircraft or whatever the case may be, almost at the horizon. So the basic things that I always like to tell people about, don't treat it like a lighting effect. It's not. You have to have a little bit of respect for this technology and really spend a bit of time learning how to program it well, understand how the thing functions. Because once you get into a show situation, there's a lot of stuff going on, there are a lot of moving pieces around, and you want to make sure that operating the laser uh, is almost reflexive. You're very, very familiar with it. And so you know in this particular situation, laser needs to get set up here, needs to get focused here, my beam mask needs to go here, I have this window over here, so I'll tweak it a little bit this way so it doesn't shoot out the window, and I'm good. Um, doing those things will really improve not only the quality of your shows, but will also improve the safety of your shows as well. So Dan, in regards to laser safety, do you feel there's any other tips or advice you feel listeners should know about? One of the biggest tips I can give you is also just dead simple. If you don't know, find somebody reputable to ask. If you're looking for an entertainment laser safety officer, let me know. I'll be happy to help you myself or refer you to somebody. Whatever the case may be, you got to have somebody reputable on your team to ask. Because mobile DJs run into weird situations all the time. It's an occupational hazard. And you kind of look at it and go, I don't know what to do with this. Having someone that you can trust to ask these kinds of questions will help protect you, protect your shows, protect your audiences, and really enhance your business. Please, 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 though, the big caveat to this is don't just take the word of the local laser guy. I cannot tell you how many laughs we have gotten over the years being at trade shows and somebody walks up to us and says, well, my buddy who's got a variance and works with high-powered lasers for the last 20 years said this. That buddy is almost always wrong. It's hilarious and sometimes terrifying. How many people are walking around out there with really bad information? Find somebody reputable and they will be worth their weight in gold even if you have to pay a little bit for a consultation. So Dan, if listeners want to find out more about you, laser safety, or X-Laser, how can they do this? What's the best way to get hold of you and find out information? Yeah, so if folks would like to reach out to me, they can do it to my email, dan at x-laser.com. And that's also the web address for X-Laser, x-laser.com, where you can see the full range of products. We have everything from fairly simple uh, DJ and club uh, sort of starter entry-level systems 
all the way up to the larger full-scale production systems. There's a lot of cool stuff on there uh, and a lot of projects that we posted uh, that uh, you may want to check out that might inspire you as well as also on our Facebook page. As far as learning more about laser safety, uh, if you're interested in getting more involved in the world of laser in general, I'd really suggest looking at joining ILDA, the International Laser Display Association. You can network with lasers from all over the world. They have a ton of resources and they also offer a laser safety class specifically uh, designed for entertainment applications. A lot of the laser safety classes that are out there are focused on industrial or commercial applications, but ILDA's class is really focused on the entertainment side of things, and that makes it a lot more useful. Also, uh, this summer, uh, summer of 2016, I myself am going to be launching uh, sort of like a little laser university, teaching people about not just safety issues, but design issues as well. And any of those kinds of classes will really help round out your understanding, give you a much deeper appreciation of uh, a lot of the issues involved, and how to design really great shows under a wide variety of circumstances and also give you a credential that people will understand and respect. Great so before we let you go down we usually ask all our guests but commonly on our DJ podcast what is their favorite song so what's yours? Uh, my favorite song for the last year man it's got to be shut up and dance as much as I've heard that song it still hasn't gotten played out yet and I just totally dig it. Hey Dan thanks for coming on you've been a great source of information for us and I've definitely learned a lot more about laser safety. I really appreciate you guys having me. I think what you're doing here is great. And uh, anything I can do to help you or any of your listeners in the future, I'm certainly happy to do. Thanks so much. So a big thank you to Dan Goldsmith from X Laser there. I've definitely learned a lot more about laser safety myself just from talking to Dan. And he was talking about regulations. And here in the UK in particular, we're bound by the Health and Safety Executive, which gives us guidance on how we should be carrying out health and safety. Uh, one document they do have is the HSG95, which is the radiation and safety of lasers used for display purposes. If you just Google HSG95, you can actually view that document online. And in terms of the mobile DJ industry, we should be paying particular attention to page 10 and clause 33, which is that section which Dan talked about earlier which basically says under no circumstances may a laser with an output greater than five milliwatts be used where there is less than three meters floor to ceiling height. So definitely go check that out, it definitely clears it up in terms of UK regulation and stuff and depending on where you are in the world just look up your local regulations and find out what you can and can't do. It's definitely useful to know about laser safety. Other than that that's all we've got time for today on the Online DJ Podcast. If you want to discuss anything we've talked about today on the show, you can go over to our Twitter, at OnlineDJHQ. You can also find us on Facebook, Online DJ. Or you can head over to our website, where we have all of our old podcasts. You can find out more information about our podcasts, like where to subscribe to them, etc. You can also find regular articles we post up there, and that's www.OnlineDJ.co. Other than that, that's all we got time for today, so see ya!